This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03, Monday afternoon, January 31st, 2022. One month of the brand new year already in the books, and it's a brand new week. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Domino's Pizza, encouraging customers to use carryout instead of delivery. We'll find out why in our next segment right now. This week's data will include the release of the jobs report for January. We're joined by Tom Hudson, week-ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune news services based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us. Uh, There were indications uh, just based on the uh, weekly claims for first-time unemployment benefits uh, that there was some softness in the job market in January. But will there be a retrenchment in the month of January, or will that growth continue just not nearly as much uh, compared to previous months? There may be, Rob, a little deacceleration after the holidays on top of which, of course, it was and still is the Omicron variant of COVID-19 influencing uh, several things happening in the employment market. One is, you know, could be the demand of labor, although we expect that to be still very robust. Most importantly is the comfort level for folks who are in the labor market to get uh, uh, off the sidelines and into a job, which may put them in close contact with the virus. And we've seen this time and time again. We saw it during the Delta variant. We saw it uh, beginning really in building in um, in November and December with the Omicron variant. So I think that's one place to look. Also, just the seasonality after the holidays as retailers scale back down after trying to boost back up. However, I think the place to watch really for this uh, job number on Friday is going to be wages, because that's, I think, at this point, what the Fed is really going to be looking at, because as wage growth uh, uh, is really going to be influencing um, inflation and influencing inflation expectations on the part of the consumer and the job seeker. And even though the uh, ADP report is always uh, uh, a little more exuberant, shall we say, compared to the <laughs> Labor Department report, uh, it's going to give us a good idea if there was any softness in the labor market in January. Yeah, very good. Midweek, we get that uh, private payroll report from the private payroll processor, ADP. And yeah, exuberant, a little more exuberant than the federal government numbers is probably the best way to uh, describe that. Very diplomatic of you, uh, Rob. But I think that's right. And, And even some softness is not a moment of concern for the market. But I think the way that I've looked and wrote, written about this January uh, jobs number is the Fed's not going to ignore jobs. Yes, its attention is squarely focused on fighting inflation. That has been confirmed time and time again. That has gotten the attention of professional and retail investors and all the volatility in the stock and the bond market. But the Fed's not going to ignore the job market. It's going to look for continued strength in the job market and, again, signs for sustained inflation in that wage number. Tomorrow, ISM manufacturing, job openings, and construction spending. What are some of the uh, uh, warning signs or positive signs we should be looking for in those reports? 
To some degree, this is a, a real check on the supply chain, right? What is the supply chain looking like for uh, for this uh, beginning of the year? And are manufacturers beginning to uh, see more confidence and, frankly, see more raw material or uh, intermediate material product come in that they can then push out into a finished material? When it comes to a building, it's going to be about building materials, uh, building costs, Residential home building costs, Rob, year over year in December, up 30 percent. Labor, a chunk of that, but certainly material shortages, uh, labor, uh, lumber prices, uh, concrete, other types of prices that are necessary to build homes as we move into the home building springtime season up north are going to be really important to watch now. Well, thanks for joining us. Tom Hudson, Week Ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, the labor shortage causing a pizza chain to de-emphasize delivery. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Domino's is offering a financial incentive for customers to choose carryout over delivery. Let's find out what's prompting that move from R.J. Hadavi, head of analytical research and at foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI based in Chicago. R.J., thanks for joining us today. Uh, what is the real uh, employment crunch at Domino's and uh, kind of describe this rather uh, innovative way of addressing it? <laughs> Yeah, I think you, you got the, the key message here. It really is an innovative uh, way for, for Domino's to confront what's really become a major issue for the uh, restaurant industry, but also, the I guess, the broader retail industry as a whole. Uh, you know, there is a labor shortage, uh, and I think you'll hear, you've heard it from a number of restaurants uh, in the last several weeks. Uh, we heard it from McDonald's, which had said that 10% of its restaurants were operating with reduced hours. Um, you know, a number of other chains are having staffing issues, and initially it was uh, COVID-related, where uh, a lot of a lot of employees weren't able to come in. But I think there's just overall a shortage of uh, you know uh, crew members and other employees for these uh, places to, to tap into right now. And so as a result, what Domino's is doing here is incentivizing consumers uh, to order online and pick it up uh, in store, which you know is a higher margin transaction for for Domino's and something they've been pushing for a while. Uh, but hopefully, will help them alleviate some of these uh, labor issues that they can uh, run into. Is this simply a case of, once again, uh, uh, people who would work as a pizza delivery driver or at a fast food restaurant or a quick service restaurant just finding uh, better salaries and better working conditions at other places? I think some of that's uh, taking place. We are seeing a migration away. and Some of it's uh, a situation where they're controlling their own destiny by going into you know, maybe a delivery aggregator or something like an Uber Eats or a DoorDash where uh, they can control their hours a bit more. So we have seen some migration to those type of uh, situations. Um, but, yeah, you are finding better salaries elsewhere as well, too. So I think this is something where um, you know the, the industry as a whole is, is struggling because not only do you see this labor pressure, but uh, it's difficult at the same time because you, you'd like to pay your employees more, but in time, you're dealing with higher food costs as well. So it's a situation, uh, not a lot of good answers for, for the restaurant industry. So something innovative like this, like Domino's, uh, yeah, I think is a good first step and uh, to keeping customers happy. Does this particular moment in the labor market have the potential to completely upend the economic model of quick service restaurants? Uh, is that already happening or is it too early to tell? I think we're already seeing some of it happen, and, and some of it is a byproduct of COVID, where a lot of quick service restaurant operators are realizing they can get by with smaller restaurant footprints, uh, with more of a delivery and drive-through focus. In some cases, they can get by with less staff. So we're already seeing that change, um, you know, as the way operators look at and look and build new restaurant operations. I also think that we'll start to see some automation come in too. This is something that 
has been talked a lot about in the restaurant industry. Um, so automating some of the, the back of the kitchen type processes that are out there. I think we'll start to see more and more of that as people, uh, you know, you need that labor, you need things uh, to keep the production process going. So I think we'll start to see some of that help to offset. Uh, it's been too expensive and too difficult to implement up at this point, but I think we're going to start to see that, um, you know, and help hopefully to keep, uh, you know, throughput going at a, at a smooth level. Thanks for joining us, R.J. Hadaby, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI, based in Chicago. Coming up next, measuring the January performance of the markets as an indicator for the rest of the year. Currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The performance of financial markets in January can often dictate how the following 11 months will go. Let's get the perspective from Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. The month of January wraps up at midnight tonight. And uh, based on the performance of the financial markets in the first month of the year, is it a good idea for investors to... uh, sink their money into an economy-sized jug of Dramamine. <laughs> well, I definitely think that's not a bad idea. The volatility that we've seen over the last month has been extraordinary. But that really doesn't tell us much about uh, where the market is going. Unfortunately, I am not a believer in that indicator that gets a lot of credence on Wall Street, that however January goes, the rest of the year goes as well. It turns out when you subject that to a very rigorous statistical analysis, you find that it's it's no better than, than a coin flip. In fact, there are several other months of the year, if you really want to press the data too hard, you find several other months of the year that actually have a better track record predicting the subsequent 11 months than does January, though I would never recommend trading on the basis of that alone. But nonetheless, I, I, I would say we should look at other things besides uh, January to try to predict what the rest of the year is going to be like. Well, I, I, I am not one to uh, argue with somebody's research, but it, there, it does seem like this uh, January barometer, which was developed in 1972, is bulletproof except for the, the following 11 notable times in history, which are very notable. <laughs> well, that's always the case, isn't it? I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, it's amazing. We have so many people, myself just being one of millions of people that are looking at the stock market every year, and we're always trying to uh, torture the data to try to make it tell something that, uh, you know, maybe it'll make a confession and say, oh, okay, yes, January is indeed a a good predictor. But if you torture the data long enough, it'll say anything you want. And, uh, you know, you always then try to write write off and explain away the the exceptions. But it turns out that uh, almost invariably when you look at these these statistical, uh, I put statistical in quotes, any of these patterns that people will look at, they stop working the moment you try to to start following it yourself. And some of these uh, major events that affected this theory, uh, Vietnam, the recession of 1982, 9-11, the war in Iraq, uh, qualitative easing. Uh, So looking ahead to 2022, I mean, assuming that uh, a conflict in Ukraine between Russia and NATO uh, doesn't boil over and become a much larger conflict. Um, you know, what, how can, what could we extrapolate from January about the rest of this year? Actually, I think the, the, you know, I may be exaggerating, but not much when I say it tells you nothing. And the reason is that the stock market is forward-looking. It does not try to predict what the market's going to do on the basis of looking in the rearview mirror. We, uh, the market will go up or down for the rest of the year, assuming 
that the news comes in better or worse than what we already know. We already know what we know, and that is already baked into stock prices. So when, let's say that, uh, I'm just going to make something up, let's say that uh, peace breaks out all over the world, the, 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 the pandemic will be over by the end of February and so forth. I mean, we can paint a very optimistic scenario. One would imagine that the stock market would do very well in that event because that is not what currently we are projecting. On the other hand, as you ask, if indeed there's war in Ukraine or God forbid, if at the same time that there's war in Ukraine, that uh, China decides to make to take military action against Taiwan and North Korea becomes more, uh, you know, more aggressive. You can paint any of a number of pessimistic scenarios in which you'd imagine the stock market would do much worse. And the reason being that the stock market doesn't already discount that terrible scenario. But it's only if the future isn't as good or bad as we currently expect, that the market will do better or worse. Thanks for joining us, Mark Hulbert, investment columnist, The Wall Street Journal, based in Washington. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Federal regulators give full approval to Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. The Bears head coach and general manager discuss their football philosophies, a new type of debit card designed to give you help you build your credit score, and it's Stock Picker Monday, we'll get a couple of investment ideas from an investing pro. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 195 points. The NASDAQ is up 322. The S&P 500 is up 52. AccuWeather says intervals of clouds and sunshine today, a high of 34. 33 degrees right now at O'Hare under partly sunny skies at 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, the Bears have introduced their new leadership team, General Manager Ryan Poles and Head Coach Matt Eberflus. Poles says he's determined to make the team a consistent winner. We're going to solve problems with open communication and candor. And we're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. We'll have more from the news conference throughout the afternoon with the voice of the Bears, Jeff Joniak, who is at Hallis Hall. The Food and Drug Administration has given full approval to the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. That means the agency has finished a long-term rigorous review. The Pfizer coronavirus vaccine received the same approval last summer. The Pfizer decision did not generate an uptick in vaccinations, however. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Stock are trading higher. We're joined by Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're heading uh, right now, second uh, day of gains in a row, extending back to last Friday. Uh, what is inside investors' heads as we start this uh, first week of the new month? Uh, hi, Rob. Yes, um, you're right. Uh, we had a we had a big rally on Friday, and I think what was critical about last week is that even though we had a tremendous amount of volatility, the markets actually closed up for the week, and I think that gave a lot of investors confidence. And today we're seeing that um, confidence continue with a with a strong rally in the markets. But you know, it's very interesting if you if you look at what's happening. Um, the biggest sell off so far this year has been in these. Uh, you know, high-tech growth stocks, uh, stocks that you find in the QQQ. Um, and the QQQ is actually uh, down still today, down about 9.5% year-to-date. Um, as compared to the, uh, to the DIA, which tracks the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that's only down about 3.8% year-to-date. But today you're seeing the biggest rebounds in the stocks that had the biggest losses. The QQQ right now is up 2.2% for the day whereas the Dow is up only about half a percent. So th- this is pretty typical. You have a big sell-off, and then you have the biggest bounce-backs in the things that sold off the most. That doesn't necessarily mean that this will continue. I would expect to see you know, more volatility, but um, investors definitely have a lot more confidence now. Is this a case of uh, people just ra- racing in to buy the dip? Yeah, I think so. And in fact, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, uh, you know, without a huge sell-off, what stock should I buy? Well, the easiest thing to do is simply buy an ETF that tracks the indexes. Uh, that way you don't have to think about uh, which stocks to buy. If, you're, if you've definitely make the, made the decision to commit uh, money to the market uh, after the sell-off, uh, just buy these, uh, these ETFs. You, know, you can buy a combination of, uh, of several of them and get uh, very broad market exposure. Was January simply a case of, I mean, obviously it was a case of repositioning, but was it also a case of everybody trying to uh, find their comfort level with uh, the interest rates hikes that are coming down the pike? Well, yeah, certainly um, what the Federal Reserve is doing is a major concern. Uh, Investors are very worried about the Fed raising interest rates. There's a lot of debate right now as to whether we're going to see, you know, four interest rate hikes or five interest rate hikes. Some people are saying as many as seven this year. I I don't think that's likely. I think the Fed will be very cautious. And in fact, the lower the market goes, the fewer hikes I would expect to see. But yeah, that's a major concern. But um, at the end of the day, 
the most important thing is corporate earnings, and corporate earnings have been pretty strong. And strong corporate earnings means that the stock market should go up even if the Fed raises interest rates. What happens to some of these uh, high-flying tech stocks, the growth stocks that were really uh, kind of the darlings of Wall Street during the uh, easy money era that is coming to an end? What happens to these companies as investors race to, to put their money either in the bond market or in value stocks? Yeah, well, uh, you're right. First of all, um, the higher interest rates go, the more attractive bonds become to new investors. So you could see them uh, reallocating, taking some money out of stocks and putting them into bonds. Uh, They may also reallocate from uh, growth stocks that don't pay dividends to uh, more value-oriented stocks that do pay dividends. I think we've we've been seeing that kind of a shift. In fact, uh, in recent months, uh, the best-performing equities have been these value stocks, and the worst have been the uh, growth stocks. In general, higher interest rates do prompt investors to pay more attention to yield because you know, money becomes more expensive when interest rates go up. Does this have the potential to uh, uh, put a crimp in the plans of you know, some of either you know, tech companies that are involved in entertainment or tech companies that are trying to uh, jump into the EV space? Or do they already have their, uh, that, you know, that, that capital already locked up and allocated? That's right. Yeah, a lot of them already have a lot of capital. And so far, there's no evidence that they're having trouble raising more capital. So uh, I don't expect these companies to have any trouble uh, getting access to capital. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, the Fed funds rate, for example, going from uh, zero to, let's say, 5%. No, we're talking about it going up to about 1% or maybe 1.5%. That's still very low and uh, it still makes it very easy for these companies to access capital. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Coming up next, help in building your credit score through a new debit card. How does that work? Find out. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A new debit card is touting its ability to improve its users' credit score. Let's learn about this with the help of Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us today. Uh, What makes this debit card different compared to the traditional debit card that you get from your bank, and how will it improve your credit score? So we're talking about the extra debit card here. And what's interesting about extra is that it's a debit card that really, in effect, operates as a charge credit card that's paid off every day. So kind of the semantics of it are that you can actually keep your existing bank account. There's 10,000 banks that participate in the service. And then extra basically treats it as a debit transaction. So you buy something, the funds come out within a day. In effect, you know, they're spotting you the money, they're getting paid back from your bank account. But unlike most debit cards, they're reporting this to the credit bureaus as credit utilization. So it's a little gimmicky, but it actually sounds very low risk to both extra and yourself. And the benefit is that you could maybe build your credit score through these transactions. And who is this for? Is this for the person who may have uh, racked up a great deal of credit card debt and needs to rebuild their credit score? Or is this for somebody uh, who may be 18 and uh, they're not comfortable getting a credit card yet, but they do want to build credit? It probably could be either scenario, credit rebuilders or people starting from scratch. My 
hypothesis, though, is that it's probably more impactful for somebody who's totally new. They also have more to gain. There are other services kind of like this, too. You know, I'm thinking of alternative credit scoring systems like eCredible and Perch and Experian Boost. And, you know, they, too, help builders and rebuilders. But it's usually easier to jumpstart a credit history from nothing than it is to fix a past mistake. And I think access to credit is really a hot area in the fintech space. So I, I would say mostly young adults. Has there been a great deal of demand for a concept such as this and research over the years to try to build a debit card that can also improve your credit score along the way? I actually think this is one of the hottest areas in financial technology now because there is this understanding that something like 50 million American adults don't have a credit score because they've been out of the system, whether that's because they're a young adult or an immigrant. Sometimes older people, too, their credit histories basically lapse because they haven't been using credit. So there is a large addressable market here. There are some socioeconomic considerations. I would say access to credit is one of the big problems that a lot of financial institutions are trying to solve. And the key theme here is getting credit for things you were doing anyway, like using a debit card responsibly or paying your rent or streaming services, cell phones are another example. And then lastly, uh, pulling out to the credit card market as a whole with uh, millions of Americans receiving uh, close to a trillion dollars in stimulus payments since uh, 2020. Uh, How has the average credit card user uh, used that money to improve their own uh, uh, personal credit situation and how the credit card companies done in uh, having all that debt paid off? Debt payoff has been a huge theme. According to the New York Fed, total credit card balances are down 13 percent from the end of 2019. And related to that, delinquencies, defaults, they've been at or near record lows. So right now, it's actually more of a risk on environment in the credit card space. These companies are looking to grow again. They're feeling better about risk and the economy. I think that factors into what we're saying here about access to credit, too, because a couple of years ago, things really clamped down. But right now, we're seeing more of a desire to get more people into the pool because there is a thinking that we're on more solid footing. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Shane Gornick, financial advisor, Forefront Financial Planning, based in Downers Grove. Shane, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. And your two stocks of the day, it sounds like in a, in a time of market volatility, uh, you've picked uh, two names, big names that are tried and true. That's correct, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, the first one we're looking at is Citigroup, uh, one I'm sure you've all heard of. Ticker is just the letter C. Uh, So it's trading at $64. I really like the banking sector now. Uh, Biggest reason for that is the banking sector, as interest rates go up, which as we saw from the Federal Reserve uh, meeting last week, they will will certainly be going up over the course of this year. Those stocks tend to do really well in a rising interest rate environment because it ultimately helps increase profit margins. Uh, So as value investors, we like buying stocks on sale and love good dividends. And Citi is a prime example of that. It's got a P.E. ratio or price earnings ratio uh, of 6.3. 
If you can, uh, the lower the PE ratio, the better um, in, in most cases. Uh, when you compare that to the PE ratios of most large banks out there, it's usually between 10 to 13. So they're a lot cheaper than most of the other big banks out there. And they're paying a really nice dividend of 3.18%. And your next stock is a, another familiar name that might be in your pocket right now. Exactly, and it is in mine. Uh, the Verizon ticker is VZ. So it's trading at $53 a share. Like I said, we like buying stocks on sale and love good dividends, and Verizon hits both marks there. Uh, it's a P.E. ratio of 10.1 and a dividend yield of 4.84%. Uh, it's, been, it's beat analyst earnings projections every quarter in 2021. Uh, it touts itself on uh, superior network quality and a vast network. And this uh, is a- we really like... I was going to say, Shane, this is also a stock that uh, it gives you the content as opposed to produces the content. You're 100% right, and that's where we see it has a strategic advantage, because rather than trying to spend millions and millions of dollars of competing with the Netflixes and the Disneys of the world, where they're trying to create their own content, what they're doing is actually kind of, if you can't beat them, join them. So rather than spending that money, they're leveraging their strength and their size and their quality of network uh, and they're partnering uh, with streaming services such as YouTube TV, Disney Plus, Discovery Plus, and basically monetizing those alliances so that they're benefiting from the streaming, uh, the streaming uh, networks that are out there without having to actually compete against them, uh, which, which ultimately has helped them pay to deliver uh, based on playing to their strength. Shane Gornick, financial advisor, Forefront Financial Planning, based in Downers Grove, is Stocks of the Week, Citigroup, the ticker C, and Verizon, the ticker VZ. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
Parts. <laughs>